You are listening to Daily Devotions with Pastor Robert Marsbach. We believe that these devotions will encourage and strengthen you. So tune in, connect, and be blessed. For any more information, please visit us online at lifechurchuk.org. Welcome to Life Devotions. Thank you for joining me today. How to maintain sweet harmony is the title of this devotion. Harmony is, of course, something you can hear in music. I personally love music. I listen to all this beautiful music. And then when you hear all these voices in perfect harmony, making such beautiful sounds, I tell you, it ministers to me. I cannot imagine doing without music because I get so lifted in the Holy Spirit. I get so built up in the Holy Spirit when I'm listening to anointed music. Oh, I often sit behind my desk and I listen to the music and I've got my hands lifted and I'm worshiping, sometimes weeping as the Holy Spirit comes all over me. So harmony, worship, music, harmony is such a beautiful grace And that is not just limited to music. You see, it is when our soul harmonizes with God's Holy Spirit that we are edified, that we are built up in our most holy faith, in that wonderful reliance, my Father loves me, my Father's for me, my Father's with me. My Father is God, my Father. And you just have that worship of communion, worship. You, whatever you worship is what you embody, is what you embrace within yourself. And, and the Bible says that God is looking for those who worship Him in spirit and truth. Jesus said this in John chapter 4. So today I, I'd like to talk to you about how to live in harmony, how to maintain sweet harmony together. And I really personally love when Virginia and I have sweet harmony. Oh, how we can talk in the Holy Spirit and and how her spirit comes alight and her face shines and her eyes and everything. She's so beautiful when the Holy Spirit is emanating from her and we are in harmony together in the Holy Spirit. And how that then so comforts us in our soul and in our friendship and in our love for one another and appreciation and the privilege of being one in Christ. And so I want to talk about this. And, and, and that's not just so in, in marriage, but it's so in fellowship as the saints. How lovely when brethren dwell together in harmony. I think it's Psalm 122. It's like the oil that came down on the head of Aaron the high priest and flooded his whole being. And that's where God commands his blessing when there's harmony, when there's fellowship in the saints. And we need to learn how to, how to live in that kind of sweet harmony together and how to see the Lord is seeking to maintain that sweet harmony. So please join me in this devotion as I find this a real important Uh, message for us today. It's Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 1, I'd like to read to you. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, 
Paul is writing from prison in Rome and he is saying here, I'm in prison because I share Jesus and, and they, you know, and I ended up here because of doing that. He said, but I'm writing to you. Let's walk worthy of the calling with which we're called. And then he describes what that means to walk worthy with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. For there is one body, one spirit, just as we were called into one hope of our calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. So I'm going to just read that verse um, 3 and 4 in the Amplified. Be eager and strive earnestly to guard and keep the harmony and oneness of and produced by the Holy Spirit and the binding power of peace. You see, he says then, there is, mm, I wanted to go to verse 2 first. Living as becomes you, right? Worthy, live worthy of your calling with complete lowliness of mind, humility, and meekness, unselfishness, gentleness, mildness, with patience, bearing with one another, and making allowances because of your love for one another. So what is that characterization that shows you're walking worthy of the Lord? The characterization of walking worthy is that complete lowliness of mind, humility, meekness, unselfishness, gentleness, mildness, with patience, bearing with one another, making allowances because you love one another. I find this is the only way to truly come into harmony with one another. You see, as long as there is contention and as long as there's disharmony, there's disjoining, there's dysfunction, then it's so hard. And you know, Jesus made an important statement. He said to his disciples, let me read it to you in Matthew chapter 20, please. I find this one I'm going to share with you. So important for us to learn from the Savior. He says here in chapter 20, and, and I'll have to give you a little introduction to the statement. Saloma, the mother of John and James, the two brothers, the apostle of love, John and his brother James, who both became apostles of the Lord Jesus. Saloma came. She was married to Zebedee. And her husband's name was Zebedee. She came to Jesus and said, may I ask you something? He said, what would you like to ask me? She said, would you allow my two sons to sit one on your left and one on your right in your kingdom? And Jesus looked at her and said, as he looked at his disciples, and he said, are you able to drink the cup with which I drink? And they said, we are able, not realizing what they were saying. He said, you are not, he said, it's not given to me 
to decide who sits at my left and right. It is my father who determines that. And then the disciples hearing this, Peter and Bartholomew and Levi and, and, and the others, Matthew and Judas and so forth, they're hearing this, right? And they got offended. They got offended. When the 10, verse 24, heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. So Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man, speaking of himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You see, Jesus here, you could see, had to bear the contention of the power struggle that was there, where people feel threatened by others, people maybe being first or being more powerful, more influential. And that always shows up what's in our own heart, not as much as what's in their heart. When you still feel threatened by other people's power or position, that shows your own lack of wholeness inside. And that makes you feel inferior, makes you feel threatened. That shows your own lack of wholeness. Jesus didn't have such a nature. He was not threatened by anybody. He was not, he never got entangled with the power struggles, not with Pilate, not with Herod, not with Caiaphas, not with Annas, not with any of those rulers of those days. He did not get caught up in the power struggle that was there. Not with John the Baptist. Jesus, not with his mom and dad. When his mom and dad found him when he was only but 12 years old in the temple and they'd been looking for him three years, his mother said, son, how can you have done this to me and, my, and your father? And he said, mom, why are you looking for me? Did you not know I must be about my father's business? And the Bible says that Mary hid these things in her heart. And then it says, very important, and Jesus submitted himself to them. See, he wasn't threatened by them. He submitted himself to them and he increased in grace with both God and man. It says it, you read it. It's a really powerful, powerful statement there. I should just go ahead and read it to you. It's here in the Gospel of Luke. Why did you seek me? Did you not know I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand, verse 50 of chapter 2 of Luke, the statement which he spoke. Then, listen now, verse 51 of Luke chapter 2, he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. He was subject. He was obedient, submitted to them, but his mother kept all these things in his heart and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. My, I love that. Here, the creator of heaven and earth, 
Almighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, the Son of the living God, who gave up all of His glory in heaven as God and became like you and me a man and took that desire to become one with us even to the point of our death in sin under God's judgment as He bore the judgment against our sin upon Himself and bore it with such a spirit of submission to the Father that He satisfied the law and thereby took away the wrath of God in Himself and manifested the mercies of God in judgment. And thereby the scriptures fulfilled that mercy triumphs over judgment. And Jesus gives that sweet spirit by which he submitted himself, that spirit of humility and meekness and gentleness that he brought down from heaven. He gives that into you and me. This is what he works in us as our salvation to save us from self-exaltation, to save us from power struggles, from dysfunction, from feeling threatened, from feeling intimidated, from being resentful where other people are promoted over you. He takes all that dysfunction, all that lack of wholeness away by bringing into you this beautiful wholeness of being satisfied in complete oneness with the Father and having that sweet humility of Him and meekness and gentleness to be able to serve others, uphold others, love others, think of others as better than yourself, sweetly submit and receive from others in maybe their own inability what God's working through. You see, that brings you as one of the great instruments of our loving Heavenly Father to bring harmony, to bring harmony. You see, God wants there to be harmony. And you can see right here in Matthew 20 how Jesus had to be the source to bring harmony to his own disciples because there was disharmony. The disciples were offended. Who do you think you are, John? Who do you think you are, James, to want to be next to Jesus? I think I'm older, I think I'm more mature, I think I'm wiser, I'm more educated, I'm, I, 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 I. That is the very spirit of disharmony when we seek self. But Jesus did not seek self. He sought the Father's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven and teaches you and me to follow in the same way. Let me take you in closing of this devotion today to John chapter 13. Oh, how I love these chapters of John. Oh, I can't wait to hug John when I get to heaven and say, John, thank you for your, for your book and for your letters. I love them. I love them. I love them. Oh, how I love these words. Listen to this. This is chapter 13 of John, the night in which he was betrayed. He shared these thoughts with his disciples, okay? He said, now, before the Feast of Passover, so you see, right? The Passover was about to begin and he was the Passover lamb. Before the Feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. One translation says, 
He longed to show them the extent of his love, right? And I think that's important. I want to follow this. I want to love people to the end. And I want them to realize the extent of the Father's love in me. Jesus said, love others as I love you in John 15 verse 9. So Jesus was longing to demonstrate to his disciples the extent of his love for them, the love of the Father. Because he said, I love you with the love of the Father. So he wanted them to realize how can you, I mean, it's sometimes they say talk is cheap. I don't really like that statement because personally I think it can make all the difference how you talk, either good or bad. Life and death is in the power of the tongue, the scripture says. So how you talk is very important. But in other words, if you say things, but there's not the corresponding action, then often that does devalue what you say. If you say, I love you, but there's not the action that shows that love, then that devalues what you just said. So Jesus wanted to show them the extent of his love. How did he show it to them? Let's read it. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, that the Father had entrusted all of himself, the revelation of himself to him, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garment, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he put water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he had girded himself. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Wow, powerful statement. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, do not, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. And therefore he said, you're not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taking his garments, sat down again and said to them, do you know? Do you realize? Do you understand what I've just done for you? You call me teacher and Lord and you say, say well, for so I am. If I then your Lord and your teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than he who sent him. If you do these things, you are blessed. Now, the atmosphere in the room was not harmonious. There was no harmony in the room. You had Judas with evil thoughts to betray him there. That created a certain feeling in the room. You had all the other disciples not feeling clean because their feet were not washed. And in those days, that was a cultural sense of harmony. 
when you came in, Jesus teaches this, your feet were washed, your head were anointed with fresh oil to create a coolness in the heat of those days when there was no air condition, and you were hugged as in welcome, as in creating of harmony. There was this atmosphere of we're all together. We're having a good time. We love being together. This is just wonderful. In other words, nobody was thinking, I'm over you, you're under me. There was no power struggle. There was no I, the big I and the little you attitude. We were all one. All of our feet were washed. All of our heads were anointed. All of us were embraced as a welcome. So there was none of that disharmony. But there was disharmony there. And nobody had the impetus, the inward inclination to do something about it. Nobody had this sense to do something about it. Jesus did. Jesus, he wanted to demonstrate to them how much he loved them. And he demonstrated his love, the love of the Father, in that humility, in that meekness, in that mildness, in that gentleness, by which he began to wash them and take away that sense of self-consciousness and give them that sense of welcome, that sense of being part of, being as much welcomed. He even washed the feet of Judas. He even embraced Judas. Judas did not embrace him, but Jesus embraced him. Folks, you're going to always have people that don't embrace you, but you embrace them, that don't love you, but you love them that curse you, but you bless them, that mistreat you, but you pray and bless them. Read that in Luke chapter 6. That borrow from you, but don't repay, but you bless them. You should read it then, Luke chapter 6. I live by those chapters, Matthew 5 and 6 and Luke chapter 6. I believe in them with all my heart. It's the way to harmony. It's the way to express the Father's love. It's the way to express that meekness, gentleness. You can say, I have received Jesus, the meek, lowly Lamb of God. But if you can't show it, how can anyone know it? The only way that people can know that you have truly received the Lamb of God as the one who's taken away your sin is by His divine nature of meekness and gentleness and lowliness and mildness by which you sweetly embrace others and enhance, encourage, emanate that harmony that makes people feel, wow, when I am with you, I feel loved. I feel accepted. I want Virginia to live in that every day. Every day, from the moment she gets up to the moment she goes to sleep, I want her to live in that sweet harmony. And I honestly, oh, I, it is my greatest sorrow if I ever cause, be a cause of disharmony. Oh, how I cry out to God and hate that evil part of the sin nature and don't want to know it and don't want to know it and I want to rule over it but the sweet meekness and lowliness and gentle humbleness that comes through my union with Jesus. He brought from heaven that humility 
And he now gives it into you and me by his spirit and he perfects it in us so that we become like him in every way and that we may give that sweet harmony and that people begin to learn, wow, I'm loved, I'm accepted, I'm well-pleasing, I feel at home here. That is us showing Jesus living in us to those around us. Amen. Have a good day.